Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another awesome live where today we're going to be talking about um, the lies we tell ourselves um, as people, as coaches, how it applies to coaching, why that's important, um, and really... Um, we're going to begin with the space of sort of useful delusions, uh, um, those things that we tell ourselves that are kind of important that it is that we do. And then also maybe how do we approach that with our clients um, if they're and, and to be able to differentiate between what is what is serving them and what isn't and when to delve there and when not, perhaps before we delve into all of that awesomeness. I want to tell, remind everybody out there watching to please, please, please leave comments. We want to hear from you. We do this live so that we can hear from you. We want your input. We want your feedback. If you have questions, comments, anything, please, please, please drop them in the chat and we will do our best to uh, go ahead and answer those questions for you. I introduced, I did everything today. So somebody else take over. I have talked enough. Is it me? Is there an, I'll, I'll just make a little bit. It's not as bad as sometimes it gets. Is there an echo with me? We got. We got this. I think I, it might also be my um, fan. I don't know. Better, worse, better. The cat on the mantle. Oh, so cute. <laughs> That's danger. That's danger. <laughs> so I wanted to start by asking: Is there a difference between lies and delusions? or lying and delusions. So I think there's an important dis uh, distinction there um, where sometimes people think that they're just the same. I think I think lies are more associated oops, to um, outward projection of something that isn't true. I think delusion is more inward. That's something that you yourself sit with. Um, I think it's a little bit more difficult to go out and say that you made somebody delusional but it, it makes much more sense to go out and just say I lied to somebody if that is making sense. To me, that's 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 where I come from on that stance. I would say that um, a lie includes intent, whereas delusion may not necessarily include intent. Yeah. I'll, I'll second that. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you, Jen, on that. Mm -hmm. So essentially, when we lie to ourselves, like if we're just talking about lying to ourselves, not to other people, lying to yourself is... You say you're going to do something internally, but you know it's not true. Or you say something that you just know is patently false. Like if I said, I'm going to go to the gym after this, and but I really know I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> lying to myself. A delusion, though, would be something that you believe to be true, even though objectively speaking, it's false or the evidence against it is um, so overwhelming, even though you still believe it to be true. Um, so it would be a good example of a delusion. Well, I think also just to, to clarify, I think it, it's, it's not even when you say the evidence against it is overwhelmingly false or what have you, I'm not even going to bring evidence into this, um, because, uh, it's, it's really that it's something that we, um, adopt to be a truth, to be a reality to be our reality, our subjective reality, um, often it may not actually align with what is true reality. So it's really the difference between objective reality and subjective reality, I think, kind of. Um, 
And I think that we as people often forget that everything we experience is subjective. So objectivity is an impossibility as a human being. Um, so that's the first illusion right there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but sometimes people's subjective realities, like they are more aligned with objective reality than other people's. Like, let and if we're talking about evidence, let's say I didn't believe, 100% did not believe that climate change was a thing, despite the overwhelming evidence that is contrary to that, would that be a delusion? I'm deluding myself of the truth, or at least what the overwhelming evidence suggests the truth is. Anthony, time is an illusion. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm starting with surface level stuff, Brooke, before we get into like deeper crap like that. I know, I know. I just think that's an it, that's an odd uh, um, suggestion. I would go somewhere more like in the direction of uh, the example that um, government, even not even government, but uh, basically the structure of of what we accept to be society is, is uh, in many ways, an illusion. The, the line where Canada begins and, and the United States is kind of uh, an arbitrarily set thing that we have set as human beings, but um, it's, it's a construct we all live by, right? And we accept it's true. Other than a sign that somebody puts up, how do I know if I'm in California and I'm in, you know, Arizona or Nevada? Um, without the, the sign there, right? There's no, like, that's the delineation we have created and that is strictly us saying. Um, so is it truth? And this is when my brain starts to hurt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's sure because I don't know if, I don't know what other people think. I would be presuming to say that it's a delusion that the state of Cal, I live in the state of California, or you know things like I live in America. Um, they're not delusional if you accept the fact that they are societal like constructs of that nature. Then it's not delusion. You just know that it's an idea. It's like the same thing as money. It's uh, a shared delusion, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a shared <laughs> delusion. But you know that it's a delusion. If you know it's a delusion, then it stops being a delusion, right? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Because I yeah. think, I don't know that that's 100% true. Lisa, do you want to share? I, I just, you know, it's such a, we're talking in black and white, which is not normally where we operate from, which is kind of the um, hiccup that we're going on. Because if we go, it's true or false, is it a delusion? Well, what, there's a lots of gray in that space there, you know, how do we get into defining what's gray in this? Um, because if it's true, I'm delusional, but I don't know I'm in, in a delusion and I don't agree with the general consensus, then what I am in is not a delusion. It's a truth, right? Uh Again, it falls falls into this weird space of, of the fact that whatever it is that we are experiencing is truly a subjective experience, right? Yeah. It is truly an experience that is run through our own filters, this unique filter. I am, you know, a unique person with unique experiences all run through this. So yeah. I'm not capable of understanding anything in an objective way. So it's hard to say what is and what isn't right. Um, and, and even making the delineation kind of defeats the purpose of the conversation. Um, 
for the sake of this conversation, before we end up off in the weeds, though, <laughs> <laughs> there are some very constructive lies that we sort of, as people, tell ourselves, um, or or even if it may not, it may not be a lie, they are delusions we accept. Um, what might some of those be? I know there's sometimes, uh, whenever I tell myself, you know, I don't want to go to the gym, I tell myself I've got to be a bit delusional to get past that hurdle. Um, so I pretend like I'm not going to, you know, have to drive 20 minutes to go get to the gym. I pretend that time is not going to be lost. I pretend that it's not going to hurt when I'm lifting up these heavy weights. These are mean delusions because they're going to, these things are going to happen but I pretend that they don't because I know at the end of the day, the benefit outweighs the negatives that I see um, occurring in that scenario. So what's the difference between a delusion and a self-manipulation? Cause to me, it sounds like you're manipulating yourself in that moment to allow, is it one and the same? I hadn't thought about that till we just were talking. Nora, mm -hmm. I do think they, they're closely associated. I think it goes back to that definition of what is a lie and what is a delusion is that lie is something we intentionally do and create and, and manipulate, but the delusion is perhaps something that we just accept. A good example, I think, of this, um, and one that applies maybe in coaching, um, and it might be a little controversial, is that one of the things I think we say is, uh, and this it might tap into, again, this might be a little some people may not agree, but um, is that that if I am good, good things will happen. Um, as if, you know, bad things don't happen to good people. So as long as I am acting in good, being good, then bad things will not happen to me. And we all know that that's not true, but we often live in that space of if I keep acting, behaving and doing good, good things will happen. Um, why that's do you think that's useful? It's useful because it helps people get through the day, essentially, or at least give some life some sort of meaning. I mean, that's like just believing in karma, essentially, that if you put good in the world, good will come back to you. If you're a bad person, bad things ought to happen to you. But that's not really the case. Like, plenty of good things happen to bad people. And plenty of bad things happen to good people, and sometimes it doesn't ever end well. Um, the reason why people tell themselves that is the case because it sounds awful uh, to be living, living in that kind of world. You want to reassure yourself that there is some sort of justice in the world, whether it's you know religious justice or non-religious justice, that karma in that way exists. But that's not always the case. Is it, do you, we think it's about attachment, attachment to, you know, what we want our outcome to be? I think that, that it's that we are hardwired to be um, somewhat optimistic um, and to, to uh, as much as we have a negative brain bias, right? We have that negative brain bias, but we have to believe on some level that what we want and what is possible, right? And that, that the things we do are meaningful and that 
uh, all of these things are, are true and we, we, we will find ways. And I'm not saying that they're not at all in this state. This is not that black and white thinking, but it, it does. It is that, agreed. It's a sense of control. It's a sense of safety that comes with that. But I also think it's, we have to have a reason to get out of bed every day and function and, and go about our daily life. And if we didn't have hope, I don't think a lot of us would do those things. And so I think hope is a very important part of, of this, but hope can sometimes be a bit of a delusion. Another example is people, I don't know how many startups there are a year that ha that come out a year, you know, people, tons of businesses, 90% of them will fail. Statistics will tell you 90% of them will fail, but people go out and start businesses every day, all the time. And you have to be an optimist to be uh, to to be in business. You really do, and it's because those ten percent that succeed that you have the ninety percent who fail still willing to get out there and try. Um, Which is funny because if you believe in karma, then you believe that the people who did succeed in business did so because they were good people or smart or whatever, and the ninety percent of people who failed failed for a reason, either they're bad or they just didn't do good enough or not, they didn't put enough karma out there in the world. Uh, to add to that, another delusion that I just thought of that I see a lot in like, I don't know, I guess millennials and Zoomers, TikTok or whatever about like workplace reform and other things like that. Um, the delusion that hard work leads to success. Mm. The hard work and success that's a gap of logic that's happening there. Um, the hard work in of itself does not lead to success um, just by itself. And a lot of people delude themselves or have deluded themselves into thinking that's true. And they end up spinning their wheels and they're not getting anywhere. And they're putting a lot of hard work out there and they're not seeing any results. Um, sometimes you need to get lucky. Other times you need to be privileged or other times you need to work smarter, not harder. That's what I say, yeah. Smart work, smart work. Um, but hard work alone doesn't automatically means you're going to be successful in whatever endeavor you do. And I'll take it one further. Uh, I think that any person that thinks that they're going to be successful solo, like they're going to achieve mm -hmm. their success without uh, enlisting the help of others um is that's a big old delusion but also it depends on how you're defining success but uh i mean not um always the case um i think though too these are kind of more these are things that we can we can very easily see and we can very but but perhaps what are the delusions that that our clients might be coming into us um having and maybe ones we don't want to touch or an example of one perhaps um and and if we do go there or we don't get to go there because there are times that that uh when we go oh wow that's a delusion that it could be very dangerous to break that delusion i can give a scenario <clears throat> a lot of the times clients will come in because I'm a couples coach, so I'm working with couples. So as they'll say, should we stay together? And the delusion that a coach could get is by answering that question, because you have no idea whether someone can stay together or not until they do the work. The, the idea, should they stay together and the coach responding, the delusion that's going to occur in that space 
is that couple may break up in that moment, but guess what? They'll get back together that next week and you're the one who broke them up. So the delusion side of things is don't confuse yourself that you're the advice giver. You are not that advice giver, right? And that's another reason to stay true to the coaching model is you've got to find out what their belief system is and break it down. I can think of a few examples as a coach where, mm -hmm. well, when a coach says, I know what somebody should do in this situation or says, I've been in this exact situation or says, I know, you know, I know what's best in this situation. We have a failing um, because, and, and a bit of a delusion because what you're not doing as a coach is, is acknowledging that, that your client uh, in fact knows what's best for themselves. Um, and so that I think is a big uh, shared delusion of a lot of folks who go into this mental health industry and go into more specifically the coaching industry before yeah. they find out what it is, is the, that um, that fixer. And they want to argue. They want to argue that position that they have that training they know better than the client. And by golly, they're going to tell that client, let's just say you are a nutritionist. Yes, you've got the training. Yes, you've got the information. But if the client is coming to you as a coach, that's not your place to be telling them how they got it wrong. It's helping them identify what their body needs, what ways they can find out what their body needs, what a nutrition typically does. You know, maybe small teachable moments, but not tell that client. And that really, anybody that comes from something similar, that kind of position, uh, cannot understand how to coach that client to find their truth because they don't think that they can find their truth. They are true believers that the client won't be able to find their answer. I've got a question that might be equivalent to coaching heresy here. So just bear with me. I'm playing coaching heresy. Is it a delusion to say that the client always, that the client knows what's best for them? They may not know until they are given that space to discover what that answer is. I think what serves in this space is probably the fact that you don't know better than the client, um, yeah. which yeah. is something important. Okay. Keep in mind. The, re the reason why I bring that up because it, there may come a time where the client doesn't know what is best for them. And I'm speaking in the realm of like mental health. And if the coach is under the delusion that the client always knows what's best for them, it might lead to situations where a coach doesn't offer a referral or the support needed for the client to go and seek help that for some from somebody who does know what's best in terms of a therapist or a psychiatrist or, you know, in an emergency, God forbid, an emergency situation comes up, yeah. but I'm speaking more of like general mental health where the client might not be an expert or know best as to how to diagnose or treat their own mental well-being. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a coach, but the coach at least should know when to refer out. Um, Good point. Good point. There's exceptions to every rules, right? Totally medical needs and necessities definitely are 
the place um, to have that referral. So for sure. I want to have a little fun in this space. Uh, in, in some of the research we did while, for this podcast, one of the um, uh, real life scenarios given was um, there was a group of gentlemen, or there was one gentleman that was writing letters to a group of gentlemen, uh, and he was posing as a woman, uh, as various women, he called them his angels, uh, and would, for years, decades, was writing to men, um, and, and they were, these men fell in love with him, but he was so successful in his, even though it was male fraud, in his writings and in his ability to um, create this delusion, that these men became very attached to the love story that they had so much so that they testify for him. So if we as a coach have a client who walks through the door, right? And is telling you about their internet um, love uh, story. And in our mind, we are thinking, oh my God, this is a fraud. Uh, this man is being taken by, I mean, this is, this is I, oh, what, 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 what do we do as a coach? Well, what is the client there for? Um, let's say, uh, uh, let's think here. I would say it probably is something in the love space. Uh, I would imagine. Here, how, about, how about this? Should I keep sending, I don't make a lot of money, like I'm pretending <clears throat> I'm a client, not that I actually write love letters and send money to people online his uh, truth comes out everyone his truth comes out main goal though if i have a client that says okay i want to save ten thousand dollars by the end of the year and it comes up within this discussion that he is giving money to his internet girlfriend who he's never met that that they've been exchanging emails um and uh, it's clear that this woman is very important to him. He's in love with her, um, but he is sending her money on a regular basis. What, what line of questioning do we take with that client? Okay, you're giving a idea of who this client is, but not what they're coming in for the work. That's the case that's missing. I wanna save $10,000 by the end of the year. Okay, let's talk about your budget while I give catfish over here i give catfish 20 bucks a week i give this da, 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 da. okay so based on your uh, what you've shared how do you presume you're going to get to ten thousand dollars that's where i'm going to keep working it uh, you know and not not in comparison but just you know there's plenty of people who tithe and they tithe in abundance of tithing to their churches and uh, whatever their belief system is, it's kind of that same, you know, I can't tell that person that their belief system is wrong. I could right? imagine a ton of coaches, though, getting lost in that space of asking around, wanting their client to have that aha moment, you're being catfish. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that could be seriously dangerous because that relationship could be what is getting your client out of bed every day and so you have to be would be very you don't know enough you just going, don't know enough going down that path of the coach, yeah. right i mean i think yeah. it would be obvious if the client wanted that to be brought out as a like okay i need this to be brought out as a fraud or if he was behaving very protectively yeah. of that relationship and that was present as a coach i would stop asking yeah. <laughs> right? i wouldn't coach on it unless they asked 
right? Yeah. By the same merit, though, isn't it important to coach, if we're not talking about strictly, you know, coaching the problem or coaching the, how are you going to save $10,000 in a year? Aside from that, because that could lead to a very short session, if you're coaching the why and you're coaching the emotional anchor of what's going on in that situation it comes up, wouldn't it lead naturally in the course of coaching as to what are you trying to get? Like, what is this $10,000 actually buying you, essentially? Mm-hmm. Maybe not using that terminology, but what are you getting from that $10,000? That's the end game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then go gonna, from there just to find out, like, what is what is this $10,000? I'm going to buy a boob job for my internet girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is your internet girlfriend having big old titties? Uh, what does that get for you? Why? And she's going to move in with me. <laughs> okay. so, so right there. Then I would be like, does that naturally follow, though? If you buy somebody something, does that mean that they'll do what you want? Or has this been agreed to? And I, you can explore that situation further. And let them come to their own conclusions. It would be so hard for me though, because and this happens. This happens. This very it does much happen. I have it been in a, I have been in a situation sort of on a receiving end of this where I had to stop having contact with somebody because he was delusional about like it just he was not in touch with reality about what was going on. And mm-hmm. I felt morally responsible to end their interaction with this person because I was like, This is you're not understanding, you're not in reality, and it's not healthy. So what do you do with somebody who's in that? It's that I would be so hard for me to be like. Oh, so, is it, so is it the coach's responsibility also as part of being a coach? Um, and I don't know all the core competencies off the top of my head, but is it the responsibility <clears throat> of the coach to challenge assumptions and challenge delusions? Now, delusions might be. Not delusions. It might. Okay. So it might be putting your, that might be assuming a lot, but. Is it the responsibility of the coach to challenge the assumptions that the client is making and either help the coach connect the dots or justify their beliefs? Again, it's going to depend on what they're there for and what direction, but yes, we do definitely challenge their beliefs. You know, we can like Brooke will often say, let's play devil's advocate. I'm going to be the contrary in here. Or you, Anthony, are often the contrarian. But no, that, I I that cha- challenge is definitely a place, you know, by announcing, you know, it's a tool. It's all right if we use a, a devil's advocate tool here in this space to see where and what really resonates for you. Yeah, you would invite that tool in, ask for permission, and then go down that path. I think my keyboard is dying. I think that it isn't a responsibility of us as the coach to to somehow prep the clients it, get them i mean i can't get them to be that's i can't do that i can't get them to anything right mm-hmm. because i want to protect this person i want to prepare them for the worst i want to prepare them you know i really desperately want to do this for, but it's not my responsibility <laughs> so. that maybe that's the referral that we're talking about because it's beyond our scope of practice but what to you refer out to that who how do i refer he's otherwise a perfectly functioning and healthy human being he's working he's going about his life who do i refer to i i don't know if a referral would be necessary it depends depends you know if we're going to that extreme yeah go ahead 
Well, in this hypothetical situation, the person is willingly giving away tens of thousands of dollars as a goal. Um, I think it would just be the responsibility of the responsibility of the coach to dig deeper, to try to see if logically, and have the the client explain how does spending ten thousand dollars get them what they actually want, and you know, what happens if they don't get what they want? Where will they be at if that isn't the case? Um, and you're exploring, you know, if it's sure or not that they'll get love and attention and whatever it is that they want. Um, but I don't know if a referral in that case would be necessary because. You know, it's it's a made up scenario. So in made up scenarios, we could do the worst extreme to the easiest extreme. the The bottom line is be prepared, be prepared to coach that whole person, and not just the topic of you know what we're we're seeing. That whole person is part of whatever that story is. So Anthony, you're right. It, it could go either way. It does feel a bit like a ticking time bomb, right? Like, because uh, we feel like, okay, we know, who knows, right? Here's the here's the flip side, right? Here's the um, devil's advocate. It might it might work out, right? It might actually happen, and these sometimes those things actually, mind you, we're assuming because it does it ninety percent of the time it doesn't happen, but there's that ten percent, and maybe they are, and now we've done damage. Mm -hmm. because we assumed it wouldn't right and even if it doesn't work out maybe that lesson is what that client needs who are we yeah. to stand in the way or try to stop them from having what they need mm -hmm. and that's our delusion as a coach right? <laughs> is that to, i mean to bring it back our delusion as a coach that we know what the outcome will be that right. we have some innate magical knowledge that is more informed than our client and can predict the future and say this is how this will go because mm -hmm. the truth is we have no idea i feel like in this scenario there's a bit of context that context that's being lacked just because you're not gonna it, it seems like we're kind of trying to get to the root of this and to me it feels like maybe in one conversation there's going to be work that's going to take place in between sessions and that's part of the process i think you right. have to let that play out before ultimately coming to a conclusion as again the worst case scenario would be referring out amazing I, uh, amazing sorry lisa amazing point too if we go with the thing we're coaching what happens often is the goals transform so it might start there but by the end you have no idea who what you may be working on with your client in truth there, there was very few, very few clients that I've referred out. Very few. And it was never, well, that's not true. There was one that was on the first session because it was clearly not my um, thing to work on. But mostly there's so much other things to work on as well. Even if you do refer out that one piece, you know, rare. how often do we only use one piece and and it completes a job or it complete there's only so many pieces so that one um expression that needs that other professional licensed professional may not be the 
only thing that gets spoken about and giving that mm -hmm. space for them to come to their own conclusions once they understand the process and the practice of what you know us being certified coaches are they fall into in that experience and they start building on their own empowerment and that right there is golden that empowerment if i start telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing i'm not empowering them <laughs> I'm, I'm feeding my ego because i got all the answers i have which is delusional yeah, um a, an example or thing who can i put on a hot seat who can i uh, throw in the hot seat volunteers jen you're awesome you're <laughs> You're awesome. So Jen, have, has there ever been a time that somebody has given you um, a piece of advice that you just didn't listen to? Hmm. And then you later found out or thought to yourself, shoot, I should have, that they were right. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. Okay, an example. Can you think of an example? Yes. <laughs> um, Would you like to share the example? I'm, I'm trying to place my words carefully here. Um, in my last job, I used to complain a lot and I got the advice a lot that I needed to leave but I didn't, I, I stayed longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I followed my own guidance of there's something left for me to learn here. And that actually was true, but at the same time, I could have also left way before I did. Then you wouldn't be here with that. So no, you couldn't. I, <laughs> <laughs> now for sharing that, you're fired. Get out. <laughs> May I ask what kept you from leaving? Um, a few things. Um, I was I was comfortable, and um, I had a lot of I had a lot of doubt of what else was out there and what else. I could do. Um, I had a lot of negative thoughts about myself and, and what I was able to do, which evolved over the time that I was there to where I was able to leave. So when you're in that moment, that Jen, I'm not talking about this Jen, I'm not talking about this current mm -hmm. Jen, but that Jen, mm -hmm. what, were there any delusions you were perpetuating? Um, Yes. Yes. I, I thought that, that I could change things. I thought that I could make things better. And at the end of the day, if I did, it was temporary. I didn't have any real control over that environment at that job. Um, if uh, you had been in a, a room with a coach and they had just said to you, you have no control, 
or did you have anybody say to you, you have no control over that, that you can't do anything, you're not gonna make any change. Would that have had any effect on your decision to stay or go? Um, hmm. Yeah, I actually would have stayed to spite that coach. I would have been like, no, I'm gonna show you. <laughs> no, I don't believe you. <laughs> no, no, right there. That in itself is, is a very interesting uh, response, right? Uh, it speaks a bit to fuel and friction. Um, that uh, that moment where you think, okay, wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it on her and tell her mm -hmm. the truth right here. Mm -hmm. We're gonna break this delusion, mm -hmm. and she's gonna go, oh, well, you're wrong. I'm gonna show yep. you wrong. <laughs> I would have doubled down. I would have doubled down, and I would have gone further into my own beliefs about no, I do have the ability to create change here. Well, and, and not only. Not only that, that coach would have lost you because you do not, you no longer believe in that coach because they are not clearly listening to what you're saying. They're too busy trying to solve your issue. Or yes, if you're absolutely. mean, I keep going to the coach so that they can see I proved them wrong. <laughs> but what you didn't know is that the coach was using reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> moving to Jen, but she did have the power within herself to change. <laughs> I don't. I think though, if a coach had said that to me, um, I would have just, I wouldn't have felt supported. I mean, it, it, it would have been that simple. I just would have felt like, okay, that, that doesn't empower me when you tell me that I can't do that. So. So as a coach, what would have, what would have been the best place for them to support you in that moment or way I should say um, focusing on my beliefs on why um, I needed to stay or why you know I was afraid to leave or mm -hmm. take a risk or focusing on that and building up my beliefs about myself and my ability that would have moved me out of that job fast. Mm -hmm. yeah. That that's very much coach the person, not the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like to the, to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. I think that was a real life example and it, it is a subtle, subtle, like we were talking in more grandiose terms. Right. But this is a more subtle, realistic, situation in which you have a client that is we may as a coach say to ourselves okay she's deluding herself there's not she's not going to make any change here uh mm -hmm. and it's just going to spin her wheels and be stuck there and and I, I i'm trying to help i'm so i'm genuinely in my in my space of i'm trying to help in this space and and save her some time and energy and, and mm -hmm. the truth is that by me offering solutions and trying to help i'm doing more damage because I'm keeping her in that situation because it's backfiring. So if you are instead focusing on Jen and coaching the person and not the problem and not offering the solutions, she she uh, then feels supported and, and grows the self-esteem to move out of that situation on her own. Um, well, imagine she, she believed that coach, right? She bought into what that coach was telling her. She would have left her job, but her self-esteem is still not where she says she felt she wanted it, yeah. what would have happened then? Where, you know, that's exactly what 
I wouldn't have had the job that I have now because I would have stayed in that place of unworthiness and, you know, I'm not good enough or smart enough, or I don't have, you know, this degree or that degree, all that, all that was limiting in my head. And I was presenting myself that way where mm -hmm. once I built up my self-esteem and, and really was able to validate like, oh, I am worthy. Look at all these reasons why. Then I was able to, you know, step forward with completely different energy and that translates. I mean, that translates when you first spoke to me, I'm sure you could tell that I felt good about myself, that I didn't feel scared and insecure. I mean, I was a little nervous on the first interview, I'll admit, but <laughs> I also believed in myself. And I, I think that if I had left earlier that I wouldn't have carried that with me. I didn't have it yet. There we go. So solving someone's problem is not, we're not engineers. We're not engineers where we have to figure out, you know, if we're in a plumbing engineer, where we have to figure out where the blocks are and where we have to um, figure out what the solution to create the release of that blockage. That's the client's job. They're the engineer of their world. Can I flex into a different verbiage yeah. really quick for the sake of the topic, but exact yeah. same concept, Lisa, just yeah. sort of add on to it. We're not here to, to break our client's delusions, to, to um, show them the truth, right? That's not our job. If our client has a delusion, is holding it, it's our job to be curious about wh what that delusion is, how it is serving them, what what purpose and why they need it why they they're how they're using it and then uh it's up to them to decide if they need to keep it or leave it uh if they that's up to them it's not up to us um, yeah how is it how is it serving them that's the most important thing it doesn't matter what the thought is is it serving them is it not serving them and the client recognizing for themselves that that thought isn't serving them that delusion isn't serving them that's or, is. or is exactly or is. <laughs> and and so and just to build on this as you're talking both of you I was thinking about shadow work and that concept where you know our our thoughts are when we are upset our negative selves come out and blah 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 there's there's a space that that negative self serves a purpose and you know oftentimes in coaching I'll say well how did that how did that serve you? And everybody will say in that, because they'll assume it's a negative space, you know, well, it doesn't. Well, that's not true. There is some fashion that it does serve you. Think about the areas where it has helped you. So it's helping them identify, if we're going to use the word delusion, where the delusion enhances their life versus the delusion that it takes away from their whatever, safe space, calmness, whatever word you want to put in there. And know that we're not doing extreme kinds of discussion here. It's just in that space where I don't know, let's just say, I don't know if I want to say in this relationship, do you think I ought to leave? <laughs> we fight all the time. Well, when has that fight served you? Well, when I've had to hold my ground because I was being convinced that this was a different way that I needed to go. And that's not the way, just the same thing you did, Jen. Same thing you shared. 
So I think a big lesson in this is that one, when we say delusion, I think there's an innate, we innately assume it's a bad thing, right? Yeah. We innately assume that, 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 oh no, if we're delusional, oh, that's a bad situation to be in. Uh, the truth is we're all delusional <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> um, Except <laughs> yes, but also uh, being delusional is also beneficial. There's been in the research that we did in the articles uh, we yeah. read, um, the delusions that we tell ourselves help us keep us going through the day. And it is very likely that the less delusional you are, the more like the more, the more of an objective view you have of reality, uh, the more likely you are to be depressed. Or anxious. Um, well, it's not just depressed. To be depressed, to be anxious, to be... Yeah. Uh, the reality is when something very tragic happens, we have to process that. And we have to, on some level, become get, get to this space of this... It's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen any minute. It's not going to... You know what I mean? Where the truth is we don't know if that will or if it won't or... You know what I mean? But we have to sort of process it and accept it and, and shelf it morph it morph it to whatever space it needs to be in so that we can continue on in a space of sort of positivity uh, uh but the reality the people who are very anxious and very uh people who suffer from ptsd one of the as somebody who suffers from ptsd i think one of the most um brilliant it changed my life and perspective of the way i look at people with ptsd is there's nothing wrong with me the truth is my body is reacting because it's being put in a state of fear. And that means it's functioning. That means that, that it is doing what it's supposed to do. I, 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 something happens, I become afraid. It's my body is doing what it's supposed to do. And as somebody who's been through trauma, that's okay. It means that my, I, I'm functioning. Right. And, um, it's okay to be scared that that is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Don't fight it. Um, what's interesting is, is, when you're dealing with that and that trauma and those things is, is if we don't acknowledge that, that, that trauma happened and that it's okay, it makes somebody with PTSD, somebody in those spaces feel crazy. It makes, the more I pushed it down, the worse it got. The more I denied it, the worse it got. When I sort of accepted it and embraced it, that's when I actually was able to sort of change and function and become the same fears are there, right? The same threats in my life are there uh that, that have always been or haven't been uh, but what i do now is i don't focus on them right they don't become it becomes I, I go okay if it happens it happens and on some level that's delusion because i know if something horrible were to happen it would suck <laughs> but i also know the tremendous amount of energy and stress that comes with worrying about something I, I don't know if it is or isn't going to happen. Um, it just, we all sort of just go wake up every day and assume the sun's going to go up, go, come up and everything's going to be okay. We go about our lives. And, and that is an important state that we all find um, in order to maintain sanity, which is just this kind of funny uh, marriage. That, that we, it's a paradox uh, in many ways. So. so it's a healthy coping mechanism in the way that we're, we're defining it. There's unhealthy bits to this coping mechanism, but this on this side of it is what we normally consider as unhealthy. There are healthy coping mechanisms oh. in that concept. Yeah. I'm not even embracing the coping mechanism portion. I'm I'm saying 
I was mad at my my system. Like I was mad at my body, like myself, because mm -hmm. of the way it would react uh, to to external stimuli, to things that were out of my control, right? And then I'm having a panic attack, and then you know, and that exacerbates the the problem. Um, coping mechanisms. That is a whole other realm of like health and how to deal with it in the healthy and the unhealthy. But I think the first step for me was accepting that, that what was going on was a natural process. Uh, and it, it allowed me to embrace, I guess, my own quirks uh, in many ways. Um, so same with ADHD. I mean, you got to embrace your quirks. <laughs> can I, can I bring up, there was something in the research that we did that I thought was really interesting. Um, it was when they talked about, they did an exercise with adults and kids and the adults painted something really good and something really bad and then they showed it to the kids and the kids were honest unless the adults gave some sort of indication that they were embarrassed or ashamed that they weren't good at art and then the kid lied to make the adult feel better that was so fascinating because it makes me think like how does that how does that apply to coaching right are we potentially in a situation where the client reveals something where we want to make them feel better and we then step out of coaching and try to make Absolutely. them feel better yeah <laughs> we've had that we've had that live a little while ago on why we don't say good job or give praise or show our acknowledgement because we're not being an objective third party for our clients um, by us giving our approval we're sanctioning whatever it is they're doing or sanctioning their bs at the worst case scenario um because i think a lot of coaches get into coaching because they're empathetic they want to help people uh, and part of helping people may means making them feel good um so sometimes we will say little white lies or our bias is to make them feel better um, and say things that make our clients feel better when really that's not coaching. That's not doing I, our job. I think a, a, giving a maybe some real life example in this space to like bring it from a concept to a, a real life example. If we have a client that comes in and, and um, they, they are saying to themselves, well, I failed. I, I, um, today, I'm, I told you I'm an ADHD, ADHD mess today, right? Um, I have 15 projects started, then I'm finished. So I could walk into my coach and go, uh, I started organizing my closet. Uh, I stopped halfway through, there's a pile of hangers on the ground right now. And I completely failed. Like I, this is a abject failure when it comes to closet organization. Um, a little bit of an extreme. It's not, I'm saying to myself on the inside, that's not really a failure because you did make progress and you will fix it. <laughs> but all these things are going on. You're already fixing yourself, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but as a coach, if I'm going in there and I'm in this state of, of yeah, no, I messed up. Uh, I, I messed up. I didn't do a good job. I, I failed at it and I'm beating myself up, right? You have that client that's, that's being, I could see a lot of coaches going, hey, no, you didn't. It's okay. Like, don't like trying to, to put the bandaid on it for them, get them in a, a space of, you know, stop. Well, they'll, they'll do the work for the client and say, but Hey, you like, you did this, you did this, you may like, they will do all the work by just telling them, Hey, you, you made progress. 
or you shouldn't think of failure as failure. You should think of it as falling forward towards like they'll just say, I mean, I, it would make the session a whole lot shorter if you could just say all that in the first five seconds, but that's really not your job. Um, and if I was your coach in that situation, I would just say, okay, you failed. How are you going to succeed? Yeah. If you if tell I me you failed. Coach, go, go ahead. Sorry. Finish. No, oh, that, no that, that was it. No, if I was your coach, I would say, Brooke, what has you focusing on the fact that you started and stopped 15 projects over the fact that you started 15 projects? Well, because I have ADHD and I know that that is a symptom that my ADHD, like I know I, when you have it, you know, I know that I have, I've had to make a conscious choice to be aware of when I begin and complete things. And I know that when I'm not completing things, I am, uh, it, it makes me a little crazy. Why? Because I know, I feel like the, the, the ADHD is winning right? <laughs> at that point. Um, and it's kind of this, it's, it's a symptom for me. Um, is it a permanent state for me? No. Does it mean that I'm not capable of finishing those things? I guess where it bothers me is, and where I get hard on myself and now we'll get, you're getting to our honest space, um, is, is I go, well, why, why, what is it about you that can't just finish it? Like, why do you just drop it and move to the next thing and just drop it and move to the next thing? go back and finish, you know what I mean? And I don't, and it, and it sometimes feels like it happens uh, before I even know what happens, right? Um, and then I, now I look around and I'm like, oh my God, I've got things, I have all these things I've just created. I can create a mess faster than anybody for myself to do and to finish and to complete. And so I guess it's less about the fact that I began 15 projects and more about the fact that I've made more work for myself. <laughs> um, uh, but ultimately I know I'll get it done and I'm not, it's not that bad of a situation, honestly, this isn't really eating me up that bad, but, um, I guess a brook that is within a less mentally healthy state, it would, it would have, it would have been a bit of a, I would have beat myself up a bit over it, but I, th this brook knows, no, I'll get it all hung up and get it handled and it'll get done in a good amount of time because I've, I've made some changes that I've been on my butt about, about finishing things again. Now, so, are you just deluding yourself? <laughs> no, in this case, okay, I'm not. Right. I refuse to allow it to be a delusion. Um, so, you know, you know what's scary though? An honest delusion that I wonder about myself sometimes because I do tell myself often I'm capable of changing. Like I'm capable of becoming the person that is that is clean all the time and has everything put away and organized. I'm capable of this and it will accomplish it. I'm taking steps towards it all the time. But there is a chance I am just not capable. <laughs> and that's the scary, like, delusion space where I go, oh, no, what if that's true? <laughs> um, so, wait, can we finish, please, Brooke? I'm so curious. So you said that you know you're going to eventually pick everything back up, follow through with it, and get everything done. So I still don't know. I, will. I still yeah. don't understand, I guess, what makes this a problem for you? I guess it's not. I mean, it's not genuinely a problem. I just know that it's not, it's, again, it's like a big light being shined on. It's something I would rather not have happen, I guess you could say. Like, I guess it's one of those things where, and it's, thank you for pointing this out in, in the way that you have, is that 
Uh, it's that grass is always greener, right? In my head, I imagine that for other people, it's they don't do this. It's it's all everybody else has it figured out. It's much easier, and they go about their lives and everything. It's it's all everything. This doesn't happen to other people, so something is clearly wrong with me that this happens to me. Um, but the truth is, uh, there's really probably nothing wrong with me. It's just my process. Um, now you're doing and, comparison uh, trap too. <laughs> what? You're doing a comparison trap now too. I'm comparison trapping myself. And that's what I just realized. I mean, I never thought of it that way. Right. Um, I'm, I am assuming that because of that, the, and I'm also assuming that anybody would know it. I mean, I, I'm only, you guys only know this because I'm sharing it uh, truthfully. Right. Otherwise I'm, it's only my issue to deal with. It's not affecting anybody else. It's not um, just by looking at you. <laughs> So I would I would go to with with you and just as you know reflecting what you shared you shared that you started fifteen projects you focused in on one of them which were the clothes that you have moved around you have identified you know the um, acceptance on how you are and how you operate you shared with us the ability to set a standard and know that you have followed through. <clears throat> you have um, compared yourself to others, but in some sense, you know it's just something of who you are. When you think about what you've shared, what's that perfect question for you right now? My perfect question for me right now Honestly, in this space, because uh, if I'm 100% honest, I'm not mad at myself because I've I have genuinely made progress. Like my, mm -hmm. I have genuine. I've been putting my laundry away, and right now I am, I am I I have taken the closet out and organized it so that I can make more room for the items I have. So I'm actually in a space of I'm kind of proud of myself despite my 15 ADHD projects um, because I know they're going to get completed and it's progress. Yeah. And I see the progress. So I guess I have a question to ask me in this space that would be, I have a productive, my brain goes to two different spaces because I'm analytical. So I have the emotional question and then I have the analytical question. So the analytical question, the productive question would be, Brooke, what when are you gonna get these projects done so that you can hold yourself accountable and, and, and keep going in this space of wanting, being proud of yourself and, and keep yourself in that state of, that mental state of you're doing good, you're still making progress. And, and the best thing for me to do to continue on that path is then to set myself a deadline for when these things get wrapped up a realistic one and um realistically looking around the house it will all be done by tomorrow afternoon <laughs> um and and i can make that commitment to you. and how are you going to fit tomorrow afternoon when you're envisioning that all of it's going to be done by tomorrow afternoon how are you how am i gonna what was it how am how i gonna, gonna how are you feeling Oh, you're okay. in. Mm -hmm. I'll be thrilled, but I'll be ready to start the next project. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Brooke, Brooke, what would it be like for you to focus on the fact that you're about to have 15 projects done? I mean, that's going to be awesome. 
yeah. if I'm honest. Like, I'm going to be really happy when it's like when I have space in my closet and everything. Like, I just organize it so that my sh my short sleeves are here and they're all color coordinated. My long sleeves are here. They're all color coordinated. You know what I mean? And I just did all of that and I got rid of anything that doesn't fit or doesn't make me feel good and or has a spot on it or a state that isn't just isn't going to come out. I'm not going to try to salvage it. It's just going. Um, <laughs> and I feel really, 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 really good. Like, and so as I make these little things, these little mm -hmm. steps, these little, and, the, and nobody else may notice, but I will, and my life will be a little better. I, I, I'm thrilled. Like, um, and so it's going to be awesome. Um, and I'm excited <laughs> if I'm honest. So it's, it's so funny. We're all in the private, we have a private chat going on as well. We're all saying, Oh, I just started that too. And I just started that too. Yeah. We're all, I don't know. It must be the, the April, May, June, whatever month we're in. <laughs> I want to start it. And I'm inspired by, by just hearing you talk about it, Brooke. Like, I'm like, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, I had to get to the point of like fed up. Like I had to get to the point of just like, okay, this has got to, this is just something yeah. has got to give. <laughs> um, and so I got there and now I've just created some very strict rules with myself with regard to what keeps, I was given an amazing piece of advice, right? This is a piece of advice I was actually given. I know it's counterintuitive as saying this, but it, it resonated with me. And that was, Brooke, don't you ever buy another hanger for the rest of your life. Do not get to buy any more hangers. Why? Because that means you're buying more clothes. No, that's not okay. You buy something, then you go through your closet, you find something you don't wear, you get rid of it, and you put that one in. And I was like, that is brilliant because I have bought so many hangers, more hangers than fit in my closet. And um, and it was, I think it was, it was from a professional organizer. It was like, that's probably the best piece of advice I've ever been given, and I'm gonna abide. <laughs> in fact, I'm gonna get rid of hangers. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, uh, we had a share from a Facebook user. I just want to highlight it. And um, uh, they had a breakthrough and um, always want to celebrate those, even though we're not supposed to and we're coaches. Um, <laughs> uh, and also thank you for sharing. Thank you for being uh, vulnerable and sharing that as well. Um, and uh, I think that that's our time. So we are done. We're over time. We've been babbling. Uh, <laughs> Now I'm gonna let anybody else close this. I'm done. Uh, I've had enough speaking. <laughs> Who's closing us out? You guys don't all volunteer all at once. So thank you so much everyone for being here to discuss our de delusions. We have many delusions in <laughs> uh, the good coping way. Thank you so much for being here. We certify life coaches in three days. Certified Life Coach Institute. We're so honored that you were here. Thank you for being here. Join us again next Tuesday at 4 Pacific Standard. I don't know what we're discussing. I never know what we're discussing. It's kind of like one of those things. What are we discussing next week? Do we have that? I can tell you right now. Give it one moment. Also, I want to say I'm proud of us for, for doing what we normally do, and that is to put a positive spin on things that people, tradition, people traditionally think are negative. Uh, I, I like that that is something we often do. No, I could have easily gone. I know you better. could have, and I was prepared fully for yeah, you. I still, I, want to, I still want to do the CLCI after dark and have that discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, <laughs> we're talking about being anti-fragile next week. Oh, there we Whoa. go. I'm going to be a sissy and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Okay.
don't know. I see that all the time on like men's blogs and stuff like that being anti-fragile. So that'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this. It's a it's a it's a concept, a buzzword, a thing that's Mm -hmm. happening right now. Mm Anti-fragility. What is it? What does it mean? Uh, How is it different from being resilient? Um, We will find out. (laughs) I think I'll show up uh, eating tree bark. That'll be the intro. Just to. <laughs> it's like to not be anti-fragile. I'm gonna come in wrapped in bubble wrap. That's what I'm gonna do. So. <laughs> You're going to come in as fragile. And wearing a helmet. <laughs> You're gonna be safe. I've always said you need one of those, Brooke. I do. I need a helmet and a leash. <laughs> All right, that's gonna end this. You guys. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF-accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.